Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hello and happy holidays. Welcome, everybody, to another Dan's Fish live stream. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Merry Christmas Eve Eve, as my kids like to call it, the Eve of Christmas Eve. <laughs> and uh, glad you could join us. Um, we have a pretty cool giveaway tonight. But first, let's do the shipping report and then we'll get into some holiday fun. So, shipment report. Everything's good. No losses. So 100% of everything arrived alive and is doing well as far as I know since I saw you last. So knock on wood here, but uh, hopefully nothing will happen. But I think that puts us in like six weeks, maybe two months without any problems at all with all the fish shipping. So cheers. That's awesome. So that's a quick and short shipping report because nothing to report. Everything's going fine as far as I know. Um, so with that, sound check, check. All right, good. Glad to hear it. With that, let's get to the giveaway. So tonight's giveaway is provided by Rock and Fish. David Jenkins from Rock and Fish. David, thank you so much for your support, both by sponsoring the giveaway tonight or providing the giveaway tonight and for everything else you do for us we appreciate it um and this is david's channel the cool thing about david's channel is a few weeks ago i think i checked it like two weeks ago there was a, a couple videos on it like a month ago there was only a couple videos on it two weeks ago there were a few more like but now look at this activity Look at all these uploads. Now there are like over 70 videos on it. So David's been working really hard uh, loading a ton of content up. So congrats, David. That's pretty cool. Um, and so if you'd like to win the giveaway that is provided by David tonight, what that is, it's $100 worth of giveaway. So it's four $25 gift cards. And uh, Rock and Fish wanted to do it this way. So we could kind of spread it out over the evening. This hat's hot, sorry. Woo, too hot. <laughs> that is meant for the North Pole. Too hot, not for like a tropical temperature fish room. Anyway, that way we can draw throughout the evening and keep it lively all evening long. So we're going to the, do the first drawing here pretty darn soon. If you'd like to be entered to win a $25 gift certificate provided by Rock and Fish for the dansfish.com store, Keyword is hashtag rocking fish, R-O-C-K-I-N-G-F-I-S-H. Rocking fish is tonight's hashtag. So thanks again for doing that. Uh, we appreciate you. All right. So we're going to draw the first one pretty soon here. So don't delay. Um, since we got four of them to give away, I'm going to do uh, at least three of them before we get towards the end in the uh, last minute looky-loos <laughs> pop in. 114 here. Not too bad. I wasn't sure how we would do on a Christmas Eve Eve, right? With everyone getting prepped for the holidays. I would imagine even with COVID, there's a fair number of people still on the road. Not me, my holiday style is stay put and relax when I can. <laughs> Hate traveling on the holidays. Anyway, so that's what's going on with the giveaway. And that's about all I have for you. So we're going to get into questions and comments pretty quickly. Um, I will say that I have finished the video. Folks have been asking for video and pictures of all the new fish and everything. Um, so I did a video. I finished it. 
today I finished recording it. Um, I will load it into Shotcut tonight, try to get it edited so it can render overnight tonight. So tomorrow I can upload it to YouTube, which will take some time. It's, it's a long video. It's over a hundred aquariums. So um, it's a long video and uh, showed you pretty much every fish. Anyway, I'll load that up to YouTube tomorrow. It'll take a while, but sometime tomorrow that'll go live. So for everyone that's been asking, I'm sorry. I know it's really frustrating when I post fish for sale at dancefish.com and there's no pictures or videos and it's like, well, how big is it? What color is it? What do those look like? I, I totally understand. I get it. Um, so finally was able to get that going. It took a while to do. It took like two days just to scrub the algae on the tanks. I mean, you've got to do 120 you know, some odd tanks. Uh, that's a lot of algae scrubbing. And then that's a lot of cleaning the outside of the glass. I, I didn't want water droplets. So I did the whole Windex type, you know, front of glass cleaning and everything. So hopefully it looks okay. There are some amazing looking fish on there. Some gobies that I'm sure you've probably never seen video of before and um, some other really cool stuff. So hopefully it's worth, uh, it's worth the super long video. <laughs> Watch it in chunks. I mean, it's long. Um, but anyway, that's the answer to everyone that's been emailing me asking for pictures or videos. I'll try to get some pictures in. I don't know how quickly that'll happen, but I'll, I'll try to do that. That takes a lot longer because you have to move over the lighting. The lighting, when you put extra bright lighting on a tank, it usually kind of startles the fish a little bit. So you have to give them time to calm down. Then you go and try to get some good pictures, but the fish are swimming super fast. Uh, yeah, Olive. <laughs> Sharon Miller starting it off. What are the yellow and red fish behind you? All right, I'm going to crowdsource this question, Sharon. And people will tell you. People in the chat will tell you. <laughs> um, all right. So with that, I think it's time to get to the first giveaway. So this is for a $25 gift certificate to Dan's Fish provided by Rockin' Fish. Check out that YouTube channel, Rockin' Fish. In fact, I'm going to throw the URL in the chat real quick so you can find it easily. And... The first winner is Chad Hill. Chad Hill. Is that your second win? I think I remember you winning something before. Chad, if you're here, you've got a minute to respond. Let us know you're here. And then you will have won a $25 gift certificate to dancefish.com provided by the Rockin' Fish YouTube channel. That's Dave over at the Rockin' Fish YouTube channel. So just waiting for Chad to... Uh, to respond here, let us know he's here, and then we can move on with questions and comments for a little while till we get to the second giveaway. And we'll do four of these tonight, so a lot of giveaways. Oh man, come on, Chad, bring it, Chad. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Oh, there you, you made it, Chad. You made it. All right, Chad. If you would email me, Dan at dancefish.com. Let me know your first and last name. Actually, I don't, I don't, yeah, that helps because I do keep a log of who I give um, 
get certificates too, just so that when they redeem them, I know which one, you know, to check off the list. Um, but hey, you're welcome. He says, I'm here. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. But think Rock and Fish. He's the one that's paying for it. I'm just uh, sending it. So I've got the easy side this time. So Chad Hill has won the first $25 gift certificate. And if you guys uh, saw Bentley Pasco's live stream, his holiday extravaganza yesterday, he gave away a $50 gift certificate. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, everyone, that's uh, supporting Dance Fish by, you know, using our gift certificates. That's pretty cool. We have $25, $50, and $100. And, you know, if you want a grand, I'll, I'll make a special custom gift certificate just for you. <laughs> no problem. All right. Let's get to the questions in comments. Hopefully some have rolled in. I haven't really been paying attention to that part of it. Let's see what we can do here. Oh, I see a whole bunch of rock and fish. That's as high as I can scroll. And there we go. Michael Wentworth, hashtag rock and fish. Thanks, Dan's fish and rocking fish for the generous opportunity. Happy holidays to all. Hashtag breeding is pleasure. You know it. Three times equals world peace. In indeed. And Okay, Candy, I'm going to do a galazzo. Take out your earbuds. It's going to get loud. And hashtag That's fun. I haven't done that in a while. Whew. I need a drink. All right. Ah, figured I'd do that early because if I wait till late in the stream, my voice gets so rough from talking so long that it's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. That doesn't. That's not going to feel good. I have pretty good diaphragm control, but still. All right. Um, let's get to the next one. Hey, is that Skipper's Aquariums? Good to see you. Good to see Candy Overhauls. Thank you, mods, for being here. Appreciate you all. Happy holidays. Special happy holidays to the mods. Thank you, thank you. And to any investors watching, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. <laughs> Sharon Miller, did you get your answer? They are golden denison barbs or roseline barbs, if no one answered. I'm sure they did, but orange cones gotta clean the glass for video that is your staging background yep that's right there's been a few times when i've forgotten done all the work and then looked at the footage and was like "Ooh, that ain't putting my best foot forward <laughs> now there's a couple green water tanks and stuff like that but um i i like green water so i don't i mean it's hard to video in but it's great for the fish so i don't fight green water at all Edward Nelson saying, hey, glad to hear about a new video. Yep, finally got one coming. Should be there soon. Should be there tomorrow. New Mexico Aquatics. Hey, little Bobby, I hope you're doing well. Thanks for making this year more enjoyable and for all your help. Happy holidays. Hey, right back at you. Thanks for being an active part of this community and making this live stream and this channel and this community work just by being a good member of it. That's pretty important for a thing like what we got going on here. There we go. All right. Just scrolling, looking for a question or a comment. P 
Peplin Creek Aquatics throwing down a $1.99 super chat. Thank you so much, Peplin Creek. I appreciate it. That follows Kayla's Aquatics 99 cent pile of fertilizer. All right. My plants will be happy. My plants will enjoy that. Thanks, Bob. Good to see you, man. <laughs> okay. I think we finally got past all the kind of introductory stuff and we're on to questions and comments now cool isaac cornstubble hey isaac good to see you started a war on ick in a 55 gallon tank have bolivian rams sword tails angels siamese algae eaters rose lion barbs pearl garamis madagascar rainbows some quarries and a betta any of those sensitive to heat or salt Depending on the species of quarry cat, there are a few that like lower temperatures, but I'm guessing you have one of the more common ones. Um, Swordtails don't like a ton of heat, so be careful there. But uh, besides, and roseline barbs don't like a ton of heat either. But any of those, if the water is clean and well oxygenated, should be able to take it up into the low 80s, like 82 degrees or so, without any problem. Now, if the water is not well oxygenated and you boost the heat, then you could have a problem because the warmer the water gets, the less, the less oxygen. Sorry, guys. I, I bit my tongue a couple days ago. You know, one of those idiot moments where you're just eating dinner and then for no reason you're mouth betrays you and you take a chunk out of your tongue. Yeah. So I've got a big like, you know, in a few days later, you get that spot on it that hurts. So it's a little harder to talk than normal. So my S's and stuff might be a little slurred sometimes. Um, but water as it gets warmer, absorbs oxygen less efficiently. And so if there's less oxygen available for the fifth to, fish to breathe, there we go, fifth fish to breathe, um, you could get some issues there. So now be aware with salt, it'll kill any plants. And the other thing with salt is, I don't know any fish that can't take salt if it's applied properly. You could have a problem with like your quarry cats or your bottom dwellers. If you put a bunch of salt in the tank and you have this pile of salt on the bottom and you create this zone where it's really concentrated. So it would be better if you pre-mixed your salt in some water and then poured that around the entire length of the aquarium um, so it gets mixed in better. If you don't want to do that, you can take a real fine net like a brine shrimp net. I use like a 10-inch brine shrimp net. Put that up on the rim of the tank so it's at the surface of the tank and hanging into the water. Dump your salt in there and if you put that in the flow of the filter, um, then the salt will from there kind of dissipate into the water column. What you want to avoid is a big pile of salt on the ground, on the bottom of the aquarium, where it can get so concentrated and so hypersaline that fish swimming through that can die. That's why I think quarry catfish and a lot of other bottom-dwelling fish have a reputation of being sensitive to salt. Not that they are, but someone dumped in a big pile of salt where it was super concentrated the bottom dwelling fish swam by that or into that and kind of sat on it and suddenly it's dead because it's in this weird zone that was created, right? So that's my thoughts on that. Kay Batty, peacock gudgeons in GH of 16, would they be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with peacock gudgeons, I wouldn't worry about hardness. I wouldn't worry about pH either way. 
In fact, a little harder is better. I, I think what you're doing there is probably better than soft water. What I would worry about is ammonia and nitrite. So keep that water nice and clean in any pH, well, within reason, um, and any hardness level within reason. Um, we're not going to go in the science lab here and, you know, <laughs> create something really abnormal. Um, would be okay. And that's my answer with most fish. I have yet to find, let me make sure this is a true statement. Yeah, I have yet to find a fish that doesn't do well in hard water with an alkaline pH. Even like all your black water species, the, the species that come from a pH of like four and stuff like that from a peat swamp, basically, as long as the water's clean and they've been um, uh, acclimated to aquarium life and they've gone over that stress phase of fresh import, then I find they do just fine. Um, the... The only thing about that, and peacock gudgeons don't necessarily fall into this category, but the only caveat to that really is a lot of these really acid-loving, it's not even acid-loving, in the wild come from really acidic conditions. These fish come from areas that are pretty sterile. So bacteria and lots of pathogens that cause disease in fish don't live in super acidic water. That's why acid is a preservative. That's why you use vinegar to make pickles and stuff like that, right? It's the acid. Um, and that preserves stuff because bacteria can't live in it, the most bacteria. So if you take a fish from an environment like that that has no bacteria or very little bacteria, and then you put it in a hard water environment, and that hard water environment is dirty and the water isn't very clean, and you have ammonia and nitride and bacteria thriving in large concentrations, that can be an issue just because that fish has no immune system yet. And especially if it's freshly imported and still stressed and not recovered. Once a fish recovers from import, even if it's a soft and acidic water species, once it's kind of used to that and, and, and its immune system's back up to normal function, then I've found that they do just fine in hard water. But um, you can have issues with soft water fish, or I, I should say acidic water fish, um, moving into alkaline water if there is a lot of stress and their immune system's compromised. All right. Skipper's Aquarium is reminding folks to type at Dan's fish so I see it. Yes, indeed. When you do that, it turns it bright orange for me. See this nice bright orange box? Those are the things I'm looking for when I respond to questions and comments. And those happen when you type the at symbol and start typing Dan's fish. You'll see Dan's fish pop up as an option that you click. And that means it's going to highlight for me. Michael Wentworth, best galazzo yet. Well, it's the holidays. You got to put in a little bit of effort, right? <laughs> Peeps lost sheep. You got some lungs. Nope. It's all diaphragm, my friend. It's all diaphragm. Um, by the way, Michael Wentworth is the moderator over the Get Gills Facebook group. So thank you, Michael, for all that you do. I hope you're having fun in Guam. Lucky duck hanging out by the pool in Guam. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate what you do. And for everyone here, if you're interested in a Facebook group that has low drama and is really kind of dedicated fish hobbyists, um, then Get Gills Facebook group, I think, would be something you might be interested in. It's not inundated. There's not a bunch of people selling stuff. And there are questions, but 
and, and I don't mind newbies coming and asking questions. That's not what I'm about to say, but it's not like a lot of groups I've been in where you just get asked the same basic question over and over and over again, because it's, it's generally folks that are really, really fish geeks that are part of it. Again, if you're a newbie, come on over. <laughs> we won't judge, but um, it's just nice to be in a group where there's not just a bunch of basic newbie questions. You also get some substance and interesting pictures and stuff. Anyway, Kevin Long, impressive. Why, thank you. Yes, if only I could get the job as the football announcer, right? Trina Domini, will you be getting any Dalmatian mollies? Um, I don't have any plans to, Trina, in the near future. So I just talked about, like, I don't know of any fish that comes from, like, soft acidic conditions that has trouble moving to hard alkaline water. The water chemistry itself is not a, a problem. Sometimes the pathogens associated can be a problem if it's a fresh import. Um, however, the opposite is not true. Taking hard water species and immediately dunking them into real soft water does cause osmotic stress in the fish and can be an issue. So my water here is very soft. It's two grains of hardness two grains DGH. Basically what that means is there's almost no mineral content in my water, almost no calcium, almost no, um, well, almost no minerals. Um, KH, GH, very low. Mollies come from very hard water, um, at least the species we're talking about here, and often like seawater, really salty water. So really hard, really mineral rich environments. If you take that and you put it in really soft water, that shocks its system. The osmotic pressure just hammers that thing and they're probably not gonna do well long-term. So because my water is soft, I generally avoid most hard water species. Sometimes I make an exception and I'll put a bunch of crushed coral in a tank or something, or sometimes I can find them from a source that um, has been breeding and raising them in softer water for a while, so they're more accustomed to it. But in general, I, I avoid things like mollies that like hard water. That being said, we're building a, a, a big warehouse that we'll be moving into uh, summer of 2021, so this coming summer. The water source for that has minerals in it. It's much harder water. So once we get into that location, I'll have access to both my current water and a hard water supply as well. So in that case, I'll be able to flirt with the idea of getting mollies and other things like that. Michael Wentworth, per the question I posed on the Get Gills Facebook group, what's your recommendation for feeding and maintenance prior to or being out of town for work or the holidays? Yeah, so it's the holiday season. I, I know with COVID there'll be less travel, but I imagine there's some folks that are still gonna travel. Like if you go to college, the dorms probably shut down over the holidays. So you probably have to travel back home, um, things like that. So um, what do you do with the fish? Well, what I almost always find is best is to not do anything, is to just feed them as normal before I leave and then just leave them without food until I get back. They can easily go a week or so with that. Now, that sounds super cruel and I, I understand, but couple things to remember. The first is these are ectotherms, right? These are cold-blooded animals 
they're not like you and I. You and I have to eat constantly because we're endotherms. We, we are warm-blooded animals. We, we need a bunch of calories because we burn them to, to create heat. So we can keep our body temperature warm so our organs continue to work properly, right? That takes a ton of energy. It gives us an advantage because even in the cold, we can move rapidly. But it means we got to eat a ton and we have to eat pretty frequently, right? Fish don't have that energy demand. And that's a massive energy demand. So fish, reptiles um, don't need to eat, don't, don't experience the same ramifications of not eating as you as I and I do. At least they don't experience it nearly as quickly as we do. So they can go a lot longer than us without food, without experiencing any kind of health problems. So that's, that's item number one. Item number two is, would you rather have ammonia or would you rather have a cold-blooded creature going without food for a while? The reason I say that is, if you're gone and you have your neighbor come feed the fish or whatever, so many times when that happens, the neighbor or whoever doesn't know fish very well and in those cases, you tend to get overfeeding, which creates ammonia, which will kill a fish like that. I'd much rather have a fish go hungry than have someone who is well-meaning accidentally create a bunch of ammonia in their environment because that will damage the fish for sure. And, in, and very quickly too, okay? So it's kind of that. It's, I mean, if, if I had an, a neighbor who was a total fish geek and I always went over there and they always came over here and we knew each other's fish and fish rooms, then I wouldn't have a problem. I'd be like, hey, come take care of my fish. I'm leaving town. And when they go out of town, I take care of their fish, right? But that's almost never the case. So um, the other thing is, oh, well, you can do an auto feeder. Yes, you can. But if there's a problem that happens with that auto feeder while you're out of town, the cat gets up there and knocks it in the tank or whatever, um, you're not there to correct it. So to me, if I'm leaving town um, and it's not like a super extended period of time, it's always been just safer for everybody to, to just not feed the fish during that time. And again, I know that sounds cruel to a lot of people because our, in our experience, it's like, man, if I didn't eat for a week, I'd be almost dead, right? Yeah, but we're warm-blooded. We're, we're a totally different organism. I mean, fish in the wild will often go, this is not an exaggeration, a couple months without any real food. You have the dry season and the wet season. Wet season, tons of water everywhere, plenty of food. Dry season, everything shrinks down. You're stuck in these little puddles and there's really no food in there. And that can last several weeks. That can be a couple months. So fish are, are, and it's not every species, I understand that, but lots of our fish come from, you know, rainforest type tropical environments that do experience this dry and wet season period, uh, period every year or sometimes twice a year. So they're pretty resilient and pretty, um, they're developed, most of them, to go without food for long periods. So I know how it sounds, it's like that is cruel, but it's not when you look at them, their biology and how they function versus us. It's much crueler to put them in danger of an ammonia spike. That's my thoughts. I, you don't have to agree. Everyone's got a different take on it, but that's my take. Um, I just think it's safe for all around. Holy cow, chat jumped. And so I'm 
gonna be missing some stuff, but I do see Orange Cones, who's throwing down a $10 holiday gift. Hey, Orange Cones, thanks for the money. I appreciate it. Always appreciate it. Never required, but it does make my wife, Brenda, super happy. Just one more fish with Josh. This is a great question. When do you start shipping in shipping again after the holidays? I'm thinking around the 10th or so for me. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to start shipping on the 4th, but there's nothing wrong with waiting till the 10th. So here's what's going to happen, right? Um, but from about a, I don't know, around a week ago or so to Christmas, it's just chaos. Like all the holiday packages are going through the mail and stuff. And then for a few days after Christmas, it's chaos because there's a backlog. People ordered Christmas stuff too late. It hasn't got there yet. So for a little while before and after Christmas, you really don't want to be shipping. But I think that by the 4th, um, things will be cleared out enough that it's probably safe to ship again for me because I'm shipping next day. So if something is delayed, I, I pack them to last several days in the mail. So if something were delayed, the most it would be would probably be two day shipping. And the fish can handle that just fine the way I pack them. If I was shipping USPS, I might not ship till mid-January, uh, January 15th or so. 10th, you said 10th? Yeah, that sounds good. But for me, um, for me, it works with next day shipping. To do it as early as is uh, January 4th. Well, <laughs> I'll let you know if it doesn't work, but I think that'll be just fine. Kids Aquatics, can we talk about the next giveaway? Yes, we can. Well, let's just do it. Next giveaway. Okay, we're going to do a drawing right now for a $25 gift certificate to dansfish.com provided by Rockin' Fish, right? So this is the Rockin' Fish channel. David from Rockin' Fish here has generously provided us with $100 worth of gift certificates tonight. I just posted a link to this YouTube channel if you wanna come check his stuff out. Um, and we're gonna be drawing uh, four $25 gift certificates. We already did the first one. Let's do the second one. And let's see, let's make sure the mods are included because I think they should be. Keyword, hashtag rocking fish to enter. All right, the winter, the winter, <laughs> the winner of the second gift certificate to dancefish.com for $25 is Dominican 100. Dominican 100, you have one $25 gift certificate. Please chime in, let us know you're here. You've got a minute to do that and then you will get that gift certificate. All right. So, Bob, I assume that's what you were doing was prompting me to do that. If not, um, if not, let me know. And uh, if it's something else that was on your mind, let me know and we'll chat. Oh, wait, <laughs> you're all seeing this. That's very exciting. Let's see your Dominican just waiting for you to chime in here. All right. I want, yes, Dominican 100, you have $125. Would you please send an email to dan at dancefish.com um, so that I can get you your gift certificate that is provided by, once again, Rockin' Fish. Okay. Dominican. Dominican 100, when you do that, would you mind um, also just including your username? 
Dominican 100 in the um, email so I know which one this is. Helps me keep track when real names are different from uh, usernames. Oh man, that's good. Okay, next one here. Let me just scroll down and make sure that Bob didn't leave another comment like that I didn't misunderstand his intention there because I'm the king of misunderstanding. Let's see here. Goes aquatics. Just looking here to make sure that Bob didn't have something else on his mind. I think I got it. <laughs> Rock and fish. You forgot the air guitar when you said my name. Rock and fish. <laughs> All right, I don't see anything else from Bob there. So, um, Bob, if I totally misunderstood it, just like send me a text or something. Um, and I'll check my phone in a few minutes. Otherwise, otherwise, I think we're good. Is that Gina French? Gina French, good to see you. I hope you're doing well. Can't wait till shipping time of orders. You are the bomb, Dan, my man. Hey. Thank you, Gina. It's good to hear from you. Hope you're doing good up there in nice tropical Montana. Probably even colder than me. QC Aquaholic. Thanks for putting up with all of my questions. Looking forward to my order in January. Yeah, I don't mind questions, guys. It's not a problem. Um, there's, there's, I guess, two problems you can have in business. One is you open your business and no one cares and you get no questions. And the other is you open your business and people care. So you get lots of questions. I would much rather have problem number two, <laughs> lots of questions, because it's not a problem. It's an indication of a healthy business that has a healthy community or customer base supporting it. Right. So. The worst thing would be if I was trying to do this business and it was just silence, like no one was emailing me, no one was messaging me, you know, th things weren't moving. So I don't mind questions because to me, it means that we're onto something because people are interested enough to take the time and make the effort to send me a message or a question. It's like, oh, okay. Like if you didn't care, you wouldn't even make that effort, right? So I'm glad to help. Paul Soltero, Madagascar rainbows with cribs. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds like a match made in heaven to me, honestly. I think cribs and Madagascar rainbows would get along famously. And on the video tomorrow, I've got a whole bunch of albino cribenzas, which are pretty cool. So I can't wait for folks to be able to actually see them. Peeps lost sheep. Still one of my favorite usernames. Did you sell all the Annie Gobies? I did. Yes. All the Annie Gobies that I have are spoken for. Um, and in the video tomorrow, I'll show you them and tell you a little bit about why. <laughs> Hopefully they're not more than spoken for. But I still have, for those that don't know this fish... I still have plenty of these. Stiphodon rutilaris. They are every bit this pretty. They are absolutely stunning. Um, and you'll see those in the video too, what, what they look like in the tank. They're awesome fish. So if you're looking for a colorful Stiphodon and you can't get the Annie, the rutilaris are, 
I mean, I think they're just as pretty personally. Okay. But yeah, those sold really fast. The blue avatar angelfish sold super fast. We still do have zebra avatar angelfish. Um, there were a couple other things that were just like gone really fast. Maria Z, can you tell me how many anigobies are, how the anigobies are doing and what they're eating? Thank you so much. So they're doing fantastic. Um, you'll see them in the video tomorrow. Um, they eat pretty much any food that falls to the bottom. Um, so they graze on algae wafers. They'll just go nibble on it all day long. Um, if you put in like, um, what are the ones? Um, extreme nano pellets. Um, and they'll sink to the bottom and they'll go and grab those. Like they're not, they're not hard to feed. Anything that goes to the bottom and kind of stays there for a little bit. They aren't like a fish that goes and gulps food. They're a fish that goes and scrapes on food. So think of a snail, basically. Just gradually scrapes into something. Algae or flakes or pellets or whatever. They really like baby brine shrimp too. I give them baby brine shrimp frequently just to make sure they, they're, they're kept bulked up. But in a well-established tank, there's going to be plenty of biofilm to graze on, especially if you have plants or wood in there or rock work or anything like that. So I think they'll be fine. The thing that I think could be detrimental to them is first, if they're in a new tank that isn't well-established, so there's not a lot of biofilm. Um, I mean, ammonia nitrite will just knock them dead real quick because they come from really pure streams. But um, plenty of biofilm, I think, is key. And then the other thing is if they're in a tank and there's a whole bunch of really fast eaters, they could get out competed for food. So if you put an algae wafer and then a swarm of danios goes and just poof, surrounds it, right, in the the gobies can't get dwell time with the food because it takes them so long to actually eat a meal. That could be an issue. But besides that, I think they'll be fine. So I guess I'll just tell you, Marizi, um, I, I mentioned this in the video that I made. So um, I think I got 15 of them in and they, they're doing great. No problems, no losses. A couple days ago, there were 15 in there. I went in today making the video and I could only count five. No deaths, so there's no bodies. Um, no fish chips, meaning they didn't crawl out of the tank and then like dry up on the floor somewhere. I can't for the life of me find 10 of them. <laughs> like I haven't taken any of them out of that tank. There's no deaths and there's no fish chips. So the only thing I can think is if they maybe swam down or like scooted down into the sponge filter, inside the sponge filter, because they do like a lot of current. Um, so maybe they went down in there. And I wanted to check that earlier today, when, right, when I was done the video, but then I had to get on, on here. So they're doing great, but I can't account for some of them. And there's kind of no, it's kind of like a UFO situation. So I'm a little worried about that because I sold a lot of them. And I'm hoping I can open up that sponge filter and there'll just be a group of them down in there but I'm a little worried about it. Um, so doing great if I can find them. Patricia, Patricia Kloppel, Merry Christmas to Dan's Fish and family. Hey, right back at you, Patricia. Thank you so much. Good to see ya. Barb. <laughs> That's great because that could be the fish 
or it could be this person's real name. <laughs> I've asked Santa to please let me win a $25 gift certificate tonight. I've been a pretty good girl this year. All right. All right. Did you send him a letter, though? Did you, like, mail it to the North Pole asking for it? Because, you know. I watched Elf, and apparently that's what you're supposed to do. Sorry for that noise. I'm just stirring my, uh, my tea here. All right. Kevin Leong, can't you make water harder but not really soft? Oh, you can do either one. Um, so I could, like if I was like, man, my dream fish is a Dalmatian molly. I've got soft water. I could, I could take the effort and make a hard water tank, sure. Absolutely. Or if you have hard water, you can soften it. You can get an RODI unit. So reverse osmosis, deionization. RO, reverse osmosis, DI, deionization, deionization unit. And you can um, soften the water. Or you can buy distilled water and cut it into tap water and then put it in the tank. Or you can get like a water softening resin bag. I'm not sure how well those work, but in theory, something like that could work. So you can do it. Um, but my issue is I have an overflow system. So, um, every night the water turns on automatically a third to 40% of the water in the tank is changed and is, is changed by new water coming into the aquarium and old water flowing out of a bulkhead. So with that kind of constant flow, I mean, it's hard to, to mess with my parameters too much because, um, the moment I get it right that night, the water will change and new water will come in and disrupt everything. Right. So I don't do that. I just keep fish in, in the water I have pretty much. Um, just cause I like to have an auto water change system, but absolutely. If I didn't have an auto water change system, if that wasn't important to me, I could mess with parameters. However, for anyone starting, I wouldn't recommend messing with parameters. Um, what usually happens is you end up, trying to get the perfect pH or hardness or whatever, and you end up not having stable conditions in the aquarium because you're constantly trying to change them to meet the perfect parameter you're trying to reach. And that effect on the fish is more damaging than having the um, less than perfect parameters. I was going to say um, <laughs> imperfect, but it's not that. It's just not what you're going for, right? So if you're trying to reach a parameter and you get close, yay, and then you come back the next day and it's changed. And so you put mess with it, get it back again, yay, and then the next day it's all changed again because your water chemistry isn't stable. That kind of, we call it the yo-yo effect. Perfect, oh, it crashed. Perfect, oh, it crashed. Perfect, oh, it crashed or whatever. Um, that can be very damaging to fish. So I prefer just to keep them uh, in whatever I have. But yeah, you can mess with parameters. Just generally a lot of work for a poor result. Not always, especially if you have RODI or if you, I don't know, you're trying to work with some specialized species. It can be worth it. Swamp Thing, do you have a line on the new Rainbow Matic? Oh, I was like, Madagascar? <laughs> new Melanotania species, Kalitawa. Kind of. I mean, I know some people that are keeping them, but I don't have a line on like a... Uh, anyone doing it, raising enough that it would be like commercially viable. But they're pretty fish. 
so for all intents and purposes, no. Like if I just wanted to get a few, because um, I was a, a diehard rainbow head and that was my last dream rainbow and I had a tank and I was going to breed them and distribute them or something, I, I could probably finagle it, but nah. Not for what I'm doing here. Papa Rock, good to see you, Papa Rock. Been a while. One of my Sturby Corys has a white bubble on both sides of his head just behind the gills. Almost looks like it's coming out of the gills, not fuzzy, smooth like a sack. Only one with it. Any ideas? So is the operculum swollen or like, like the operculum, the gill cover? Like, does that go back and then kind of flare out or is it like a bubble? Because sometimes the operculum, the, the, the posterior edge of it, the edge furthest away from the nose, can get a little flare out on it. Um, and I'm not sure what causes that, but I've seen that a few times. My suspicion is it's usually something irritating the gills. Uh, it could be a parasite, could be a water parameter, something like that that causes them to kind of push their gills out so they kind of flare. But I'm not quite sure. And I'm not saying that's what's going on here. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, smooth like a sack. So like a sack, I'm thinking like some kind of bubble kind of thing back there. I, Papa Rock, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like what I'm picturing in my head from your comment. Wish I could help you, but if anyone here knows what Papa Rock's talking about, um, please like comment so we kind of have a clarified thing to to deal with. But from the description, what I'm picturing in my head, I don't know what that is. I don't think I've seen that. Holly Gibbs, I tape, I tape, I tape, <laughs> I tape each day to side of each tank. Holly Gibbs, I tape each day to side of each tank. My brain doesn't, I'm not quite sure what you're saying there, Holly. Thanks for commenting, but if you could clarify, I could, uh, I could engage with your comment. Terry's Tropical Tanks, are Glow Light Danio eggs sticky? Um, no, I can't remember. I don't think so. I think what they did was they kind of settled through the moss and landed on the bottom. I don't think they're particularly adhesive. Could someone here clarify that if I'm wrong? But from what I'm remembering, no, I don't think they stuck to stuff very much. If they did, they were only like maybe semi-adhesive. Kind of ended up at the bottom. Um, so you get a little container, right? You put marbles in it, put some java moss in it. So they spawn up there. And if I remember right, they fell like right through the moss and down into the marbles. John Kim, is levamisole only used to treat camelanus worms? Do you recommend medicated food for other internal parasites due to resistance? So I, I don't think camelanus worms, in my experience, are, are the least bit resistant to levamisole. It's, it works very well. For me, I've never seen uh, that. But no, it's not just camelanus. It's other similar species of worms. So within that same, I don't know if it's family or phylum or order, you know, I'm not sure where in that taxonomic chain that breaks down, but um, roundworms, like camelanus worms, um, will also succumb to it. Yeah. They use it in, for like, you know, livestock as well. And that's not camelanus worms. It's a different species, but it's closely enough related. It's a roundworm and it works on them. So 
I forget the name of that specific group of worms that it targets. Is it Aneliid worms? Ah, now I gotta look. Um, Levamisole. An... Okay, let me see. Is it the Aneliidae? I've gotta, my, my geek brain wants to get that clear. I think so. I think it's like Aneliidae. Oligocheata, is that what it is? Anyway, there's a specific group of worms that it works on, much much more than just uh, just Camelanus worms. Well, whatever group the Camelanus belongs to. Um, Crown tail half moon, eggnog Dan, what the spike, mm, fresh water. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not eggnog. This is like tea. I make, I basically make a chai tea. Um, and whether I spike it or not, you'll be able to know if we get to the end of the live stream and I can't remember my name. Um, you'll know, you know, you'll know it's spiked. Kelly's Aquatics finally got to the $4.99 Kelly's Aquatics. Um, <laughs> Super chat took me a while. Gina French showing me some fox love. Hey, Gina French, thanks so much for the $10 super chat. And the cutesy wootsy fox cat holding the cart. The cart, the heart. Maybe it is spiked. Um, I call those fox cats. I'm not sure what those little critters are, but it's like the one that Ed sends me that punches me in the face. But Gina's kinder. She's giving me a heart. Right back at you, Gina. Appreciate you. Kevin Leong, what about returns? Lots of returns after Christmas. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yep. I think those kind of trickle in though. Yeah. And by the way, if I wasn't shipping a next day service, I would probably wait longer for sure. Rocky and Fish, you forgot the air guitar when you said my name. Heck no. <laughs> Okay, so, all right, hang on, chat's about, there it goes, I knew it, I knew chat was going to jump, I could, it was, it did a thing where it freezes for a second, I was like, yep, here it goes, I'm getting to know my chat jump, signals. Last Raven is the next comment I can see, so, Last Raven 215, if you left a question or comment above this, um, and I didn't get to it. It means it was lost when chat skipped because this is as far as I can go. I literally can't go above mismatched socks asking Zen how they're doing. So the first comment or question I can see is last Raven. So if you're above that and I missed it, just repost it, please. And I'll try to get to it. I'm thinking about starting shipping, but being in New England, it's cold. Do you think it's worth attempting shipping when it's warmer or just go for it now? Shipping super red plecos. Last Raven, if you're new to shipping, which it sounds like you are, um, it might be better to wait until it's warm. Uh, just because there's so many less problem variables when it's warm. So if you were brand new to it, I would say, why don't you wait till it's warm? Then you take all the worry off of if the heat pack doesn't work properly, if the insulation doesn't fit quite right, if something's 
um, put on the side of the truck instead of the middle of the truck and it's exposed to the cold on the side of the truck or um, in the delivery truck or um, if there's a big delay, you know, if it's delayed for four days and your heat pack burns out or something like that, right? So when you take away all the problems that can come with the cold, that might be what you want to do if it's your first time. That would be my suggestion. Unless, unless there's someone in your area that is experienced shipping and can I kind of sit down and walk you through it, um, then it might be worth doing. And hey, if you decide you want to do it anyway, then good on you. Like, that's, that's fine. That's your decision. No problem. But I think if I was just starting... I would try to make it at the easiest time of year as possible. And that's when it's nice and warm. QC Aquaholic, will you ever get darters? You know, I love darters and I've been able to get some a few times in the past. Um, if I could find someone who could supply me darters in the quantity I need at a price that makes sense for resale, I'd probably do it. Yeah, I really like them. I used to keep and breed orange throat darters. Um, I like greenside darters. I like rainbow darters. Um, I don't like darters in general, sand darters. Um, but un unless you live in an area where you can actually go collect them in quantity and, and get enough to sell, um, it's kind of hard to get them. Like, I don't know anywhere I could buy them like someone that collects them and then wholesales them to people like me. Uh, all I know is people like Jonah's Aquarium, they go collect them and then sell them themselves or sacks of aquaculture. But for natives, I don't know anyone that's supplying them um, into the supply chain at a, a place where I could actually purchase them and not have to like buy them at retail and then mark them up for you, right? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I do like them a lot. Darters are amazing fish. Okay. What I would say is if you're looking for darters, check out Saks Aquaculture, S-A-C-H-S Aquaculture, and Jonah's Aquarium. Those are two native fish suppliers that I can think of. Or join NANFA, N-A-N-F-A, or even just go to their website and poke around. You might be able to find someone that could supply you with whatever darter you're looking for from NANFA. North American... Uh, NANFA. Oh, what does that stand for? Native American Fish Association, I think. North American Fish Association. One of those. Can 5015 asking what the yellow and red fish behind me are? <laughs> um, those are gold denison barbs or gold roseline barbs. I'm laughing because we get this question... Oh, five, six times a night because <laughs> they're awesome, right? Of course, people want to know what they are. They're beautiful. Look at those things. Sohan Warusha. Hey, Dan, if there are equal amount of male and female millennium in Bosmani, will they breed with only their kind? Um, I don't know if they'll breed with only their kind, but... I'm not sure if Melanotania and Glossolepis are very likely to hybridize. So Millennium Rainbows are from the Glossolepis genus, and Bosmana are from the Melanotania genus, so completely different genus. So if you were keeping 
two Glossolepis species together or two Melanotania species together, then I would say, yeah, for sure they're going to hybridize, even if you have equal numbers. At some point it'll happen. But with Millenniums and Bosmani, that might be okay, Sohan. That's more likely to be it's more likely you're able to pull that off without hybridization than most mixes people ask me about. So it might be worth a try. And I think if you did have any hybrids, it would be very obvious. I think a, a Glossolepis mixed with a Melanotania would look funky enough that you would know that you had a hybrid. That's my guess, Sohan. But I've never tried it. Um, and, you know, if you want to distribute pure strain rainbow fish... Um, it might be worth digging in a little more. That might be a good question for the folks at Rainbow Fish Live. So there's a Facebook group called Rainbow Fish Live where real like bowheads hang out, Rainbow Fish nerds. And there's someone there, I'm sure, that would know the the answer 100%, whereas I'm, I'm, I'm probably 80% sure. Brian, are your thread fins only males? I do have a few females. Um, so you can get a few females. Yeah, I don't have many, but there are a few females in there. Last Raven, 215. Oh, so Brian, if you order them and you want the mix, just the note at checkout, say, hey, I'd like males and females, and, and then I'll know to get you some females. Most people want males because that's where the color is. But um, if you leave me a note saying you want both, then I'll get you both. Now back to Last Raven. Last Raven, 215. I'm thinking about starting shipping. Oh, okay, I already got that one. Orange Cones gave a co-worker the info about Get Gills and this live stream. She wants to get a fish tank in the spring and wants to learn more about care. She thought she had just had to top off the water. Yikes. Yeah, yikes is right. Well, I hope we can uh, start steering her in the right direction. And if she comes here, then she's likely to get into the rest of the fish fam stuff too. And then she'll be in good hands. So glad you did that. Nathan, fish boy. Hey, fish boy. Is catfish, what are your thoughts on them? They're fantastic. Would you have them? Absolutely. Are they better in numbers? Yes. What tank mates would you stick with them if you had any? Nothing. Yep. So I love Pictus catfish. Uh, if I did Pictus catfish, I'd do them in a fairly large aquarium and I'd do them in a big group and I wouldn't get anything else in there. Yep. That's, I think, the ideal Pictus catfish setup. They're fantastic, but they're so active. And they can outcompete other fish so readily for food that that's why I wouldn't keep anything else with them. Now, if I had a big tank with a whole bunch of African cichlids in it, I might get a few Pictus catfish in there. That would probably be okay. So that's one thing that could work. But in general, when I think of how I would keep them, I would just keep them and enjoy them for themselves just because they're so darn active. And they're sharp, man. I have been literally... Um, what's the word injected, I guess, by a Pictus catfish. I mean, I've had that spine in deep and I felt that venom in my hand and it doesn't tickle. So if you picture like this mob of Pictus catfish trying to eat something and other fish getting in there and then getting spined, right? That's, that's a real thing that can happen to the other fish in the aquarium. So in general, I'd keep them by themselves. That's not to say you can't keep them with other things, but by themselves, I think is what I would do. Okay. I think I've, I think that horse is beat. T-Shot just wanted to say Merry Christmas. Cheers. 
Hope it's a good one. Enjoy, my friend. You as well, T-Shot. Thanks for being here. And Merry Christmas to you. All right, we are going to do another giveaway. So this is for the third gift certificate. It is a $25 gift certificate. Mm, no. Gift certificate. Awesome, for I'm not as think as you drunk I am. Um, to dancefish.com. Provided by Rockin' Fish. Right here, Rockin' Fish. David from Rockin' Fish is providing $100 worth of gift certificates tonight. Thanks again, David. Um, so the winner of this one is John Cullen. John Cullen, you have won a $25 gift certificate to Dan's Fish provided by Rock and Fish. So you've got one minute to let us know you are here so you can win. And if you're not, we'll redraw. Swamp Thing, do you have a line? Oh, I already got that one. Zach Billings, any ideas on how to keep a jumping fish in a tank with an open top? Hmm. I want to have a scape with wood coming out of the tank. I don't. I mean, in theory, you could keep the water level so low, there's so much glass above it that the fish couldn't jump out. But Fish can jump surprisingly high. In the past, when I was just learning, I knew killifish could jump and I didn't have a lid. So I had a 10 gallon tank, had two inches of water in it is all. Put a couple killifish in there. I can't remember which kind. One of the Aphiosimians or Fundalopanchaks. And came back the next morning, they had all jumped out. So they had cleared two inches of water. The rest was all glass. They found a way to clear it. Wild type bettas can do the same. Um, fish can jump a lot further than we think. So I can't think of a case where, unless it's a paludarium, I can't think of a case where you have like an aquarium with a decent amount of water in it and the wood coming up and an open top and keep jumpers in the tank without a lid. Yeah, I think your options are either a ton of glass above the water, and I mean a lot, or, or a lid. I can't think of... Uh, any way around it. Now, I will say this. Yeah. No, I won't. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no. I have some, some tangent thing that in theory could work, but probably not in practice. And I don't want to say it because then your fish will end up fish chips on the floor. <laughs> Holly Gibbs saying, maybe they are invisible. Holly, I'm sure that made total sense when you posted it, but it was so long ago. That I can't remember what it was. John Colin is here. Awesome, John Colin. Um, congratulations. Please send me an email, John. Dan at dancefish.com. Just writing down. Okay, so we have Chad Hill, Dominican 100, and John Colin have all won a $25 gift certificate. Who will be next? Who will it be? We'll find out a little later. Holy cow. Paul Soltero. I cleaned my canister filter Monday and found five stir-by fry in it. Wow. So you got corridors frying your canister filter. Well, I hope they were alive and you can do something with them. Um, might be time to get a pre-filter on the uh, inlet of your canister filter to prevent fry from getting sucked up into it. The, the, there you go. That's a good, like, 
Hey, KG Tropicals, that might be a fun question to ask when you guys do your surveys before your videos. What's the weirdest thing you found in your filter? <laughs> Kevin Long, yes, but it is much more expensive than I thought. Making water harder isn't as hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. Making water hardness, you just add minerals. Making water soft, RODI is quite expensive. Yeah. I mean, compared to a bag of crushed coral. Yeah, I hear you. Mile high. What age did you start keeping fish? Um, it was the summer between sixth and seventh grade. So what is that? Is that 13 years old? Something like that. Yeah. Michael Wentworth, regarding adding some hardness back into soft water, what's your favorite additive? I see a lot of people adding things because so-and-so on YouTube said so with little supporting info. Um, I have not found an additive that is super efficient in my system um, to, to maintain hardness just because I have an auto water change and I change so much water every day. So by the time hardness is absorbed in the water, you know, you flush out 30% or 40% of it every night, it's not going to maintain it really hard. So what I found to be in theory the best is just crushed coral because it's going to dissolve fairly slowly. So you're not going to get a ton dissolving in the water. So when the water is changed, you're not going to experience this massive shift in hardness every night. So when I do it, I do it with crushed coral, but I have not done like a big scientific test over a long period to see how effective that is um, or anything like that. Honestly, it just makes me feel a little better. I'm not sure how efficient or effective it is due to the amount of water I change and how frequently I do it. Yeah. So that's the honest truth about that. With one exception. When I do it, it's usually because I have a live bear, like a swordtail or a platy or a guppy or something. And generally what I'm trying to do is put it in there and then I shut off the new water for the first couple days because I'm not feeding them. Um, they're probably going through a dose of medicine or something. And I just want, so I'll put in the crushed coral, turn off the water, and it'll sit a couple days in there before I get that new import in that has live bears in it. So my thought is that it's had a couple days to get a little harder. I put the live bearers in there and then I usually don't change the water for a couple days after I put them in there. This is how I use the crushed coral. Um, and then I turn the switch and then it gradually exchange out and it becomes like the rest of my tank. So really what I'm trying to do with crushed coral is not like long-term hardness. It's just help a newly imported fish through its first couple days. So it doesn't experience as much um, osmotic stress as it normally would while it's dealing with all the other stresses of import. So that's kind of how I use it. After that's done, I don't, I don't trust that it does much after the first couple of days. Ghostly Cicada 327. Would you consider keeping and breeding Amazon mollies if they were available to you? Um, probably not. Um, I'm not doing a ton of breeding. I mean, I breed stuff for fun on the side a little bit, um, but for the business, I don't generally breed fish. It just doesn't make sense to tie up several tanks to breeding and rearing fish um, when I could sell fish so much faster if I bought them from someone else that bred them in some quantity. <laughs> 
So the economics don't work when I'm trying to run a business. So basically I can tie up a lot of tanks to breed one species and maybe raise a group every month or two to size that I can actually sell. Or I could take those five to seven tanks and I could probably flip them two or three times. I'm using the word flip. I mean, <laughs> that's horrible. I don't flip fish, but I could turn over the inventory in each tank a few times um, in each tank a few times in the same amount of time it would take me to raise a couple batches of fish. So that's what the economics boil down to when you're doing it for business. Patricia Clopelli, no Clopel, no I on the end. I, I made it. I made a scientific fish name. Patricia Clopelli. I. <laughs> Do you sell plants like moss? If so, how much? I don't. I'm really low on plants right now. Um, I'm not a plant guy. Mostly a fish guy. I keep a few plants, but I don't have a lot to distribute. I've been feeding a lot of them to my scud cultures right now because I'm trying to get those booming so I can try to get some pipe fish in sometime. Skipper's Aquariums, with your black worms, have you ever had leeches? Oh, every time. If so, how did you get rid of them? I don't worry about them. So the, fit, the, the, the place that breeds the black worms, there's pretty much one source in the United States. It's in Fresno, California, or is it Bakersfield? Can't remember. It's in California. And they supply black worms to pretty much everywhere. So if you're getting black worms, you're getting them from the same supplier and there's leeches in their stock. So you're not going to get a leech free source. I, I wouldn't, I'd have to see that to believe it. But when we think of leeches, we think of what we see in the movies or in a Gary Lang rainbow fish presentation where they're, you're going through the jungle and they're on you and they're sucking your blood and all that. There are hundreds and hundreds of species of leeches. Most of them are not blood suckers. Most of them are detritivores. They eat detritus, they eat decaying matter, they eat decaying meat or vegetables or whatever. Um, kind of like a snail, right? And that's the case with the leeches in the blackworms. They're not blood suckers. They aren't sucking blood out of the blackworms. Um, they're not going to get on your fish and damage them. They're just eating the food that's fed to the blackworms. That's why they're in those... Um, in the blackworm shipments. So there is not a leech-free source, and being that the leeches are harmless, I don't worry about them. And I've never had a case where I fed blackworms and leeches, and within a little while, the leeches hadn't died off and disappeared. I, I don't have them reproduce in my tanks. So that's been my experience. I have had a customer who had a horrible leech infestation in his aquarium, but these from, if I remember the description, what he told me, right, we had a whole conversation about it. I think they were kind of big and fat. They, I think they were a completely different thing. And those were a problem. But the leeches that come in with the blackworms, I don't think are a problem. I've never seen or heard of anyone having a problem with them. And by the way, I've been using them for a couple decades. No issues. Michael Broom, Corydoras can get strange whitish deposits on their skin if you're feeding them too high a protein diet. No sure, not sure if that's what they were seeing, but maybe. All right. Mitchell, did I say Michael? I'm sorry. Mitchell Broom. That's one, one thought. I mean, the odds that they would be in the exact mirrored place, though, behind the gills. Um, and those, those, uh, Protein issues in quarries, I think it's more like a randomized 
uh, whitishness that we would see. This feels like very deliberate, very symmetrical. Um, but but we appreciate the idea because it's better than my idea, which is I don't know. Though you Marion. New fish with white and string stuff around the mouth. Ooh, partially responsive to Marison. Do you suggest another round of Marison or something else? So what I would try to do is determine if it's fungal or bacterial. Um, if it's fungal, I don't know if Marison would be that effective. If it's bacterial, it might be effective. But honestly, my go-to for that stuff would be uh, canamycin and nitrofurazone. So maricin treats gram-positive bacteria. So if that's caused by streptococcus, the maricin will take care of it. But it's probably more likely that it's treated by, uh, caused by gram-negative bacteria. So um, that's why nitrofurazone and canamycin are generally my go-to. Most diseases in fish are caused by gram-negative bacteria. So um, if it's been partially responsive and you've done the whole treatment, um, hmm, hang on, let me think. The question is, is it responding to the maricin or is it responding because now it's in better conditions? Or is it just fighting it off on its own? I guess what I would do, since you've already done the maricin, is I would do another round of it. And then if it hasn't helped, then I would try a gram-negative bacteria killer like kenamycin and nitrofurazone. That's, I think, what I would try. Now, W. Marion, please understand I'm not a veterinarian. <laughs> I, I don't know that much about it. But I'm just trying to think if this was my experience in my fish room that's, and, and that's what had happened, that's probably how I would handle it. If I was confident it was not a fungus. This person's username is, I hate stupid people. Jeez. <laughs> Coming on strong there, Mr. or Mrs. User. <laughs> then what are you doing on my live stream? You understand I'm the one hosting it, right? <laughs> uh, man, I do stuff sometimes it's so stupid it amazes me. All right. Hey, Gina French, it's a fox. Oh, the fox cat is a fox. Now I know. What did the fox say? Crown tail half moon. I'm thinking of using a three-stage filtration for fish water storage and water changes. Okay. Five microns each, one sediment pre-filter, two carbon blocks. Any advice? That sounds perfect to me. Yeah. That's what I would have said. Um, where I'm at, I, I used to have a sediment filter in a carbon block. I would run that sediment filter for like a year and check it and there was no sediment in it. Like my water is amazingly clean. So I just switched it to two carbon filters, two carbon blocks. But I think the way you're doing it is smarter than what I did with my two. You have three, first one to catch the sediment, perfect, and then two carbon blocks. Your average carbon block is 80% effective. So if there's 100 parts of, let's say you're trying to remove chlorine, if there's 100 parts of chlorine in there, it goes through the first carbon block, it'll remove 80%. So now you have 20 parts of chlorine in there. But when that 20 parts of chlorine goes through the second carbon block, 
then it'll reduce that by 80% as well. And by the time it's gone through that second carbon block, you're going to have very little chlorine and it'll probably dissipate pretty quickly in the tank. So I think that's what I would do. That sounds like you're right on the money. Terry's Tropical Tanks. Are glow light Danio eggs sticky? Already got that one. Gina French. Okay, listen to Zen, not to me. <laughs> I'll listen to everybody. <laughs> Paul Soltero, cleaned out my canister Monday and found the Cory Fry. Okay, got that one already. There we go. Hey, Wichita. I haven't talked to Wichita yet tonight. Wichita Falls, Fish Keeper, how big are your L471 and L264s? Merry Christmas. Well, you'll see them in the video tomorrow. Let's see here. The 471s are... I would say under two inches, inch and a half, maybe the biggest one getting close to two inches. Um, but that fish only gets like two, two and a half inches full grown. And the L264s, look up which one that is. <laughs> is that the Sultan or the L264 or the Zebra? That's the Sultan. Um, well, you see them, you'll see them in the video tomorrow. Um, off the top of my head, I'm going to say two to three inches on the Sultans. The, um, what was it? Uh, L264s. Yep. Isaac Cornstubble, only hitches salt measuring. Heard of three, one tablespoon per 10, per five, per 2.5. Not too knowledgeable on salt. Going to try one teaspoon per five because I have plants in the tank. Any thoughts? So, Isaac, was this about curing ick? If this was you trying to fix ick, um, I don't think if you have plants in the tank, you're going to get enough salt in there to be effective. Um, if you do put enough salt in there to be effective, you're going to kill the plants. That'll create decay, which will create a kind of could create an ammonia spike or a lot of bacteria, not a good thing. So if you're using salt, I would definitely do it in a tank without aquarium plants in it. And don't do it by like tablespoons or whatever. Do it by weight so you get an accurate measurement. It's five grams per liter. You can do up to eight grams per liter. Okay. So five parts per thousand up to eight parts per thousand. And that I'm sure of because that comes from aquatic veterinarians that gave a talk on this um, at the aquarium veterinarian conference that I attended recently. So five to eight parts per thousand, which equals five grams per liter up to eight grams per liter. That will totally kill your plants. Um, I mean, I would think, I suppose there's some plants that are super salt resistant. Your, your mangrove would be fine probably. Um, but if you're trying to kill the ick in a planted tank, I wouldn't use salt. I would use ick X or Fritz Mardell quick cure. That's what I always do. I don't raise temperature. I don't use salt. Um, usually I just use Ickex or Mardell and it works just fine and it doesn't hurt the plants. It doesn't hurt the snails, doesn't hurt the bacteria population, anything like that. So that'd be my thoughts if you have a planted tank you're trying to treat for Ick. Now, don't get that stuff on your hands. It contains formalin, um, malachite green. That stuff is pretty toxic. So uh, you don't want to get that on you. Wear gloves, um, but it works well against ick and doesn't hurt plants. Oh, Isaac Cornstubble, well, that's about the ick, by the way. Yeah, I, I got it. Gotcha. Crown tail half moon. Do you think the missing goby are going down the overflow? No, because it's got a screen on it. So they can't. It's... Uh, 
yeah, there's no way they can go down the overflow. They can't fit. I mean, that's it's way too small the screen. So I don't know. I'm hoping I. <laughs> of course, the, that's the that's kind of the fish I built the whole order around. Um, someone in a in one of these uh, live streams few months ago was like, can you get this fish in? And I was like, yeah, I can. And so I did. Um, and people are excited and sold a whole bunch of them. And now I can't find them. Mm, I'm hoping they're in the sponge filter, but I'm not real hopeful. So I honestly, it's a mystery to me. No deaths. Everyone's fat and sassy and happy. And none that I can see that got out. So I'm not sure. And it's not like it's a tank with tons of rock work or something where they could be hiding. It's a fairly minimally furnished tank. So I don't know. I don't know. I hope I find them though. I don't know how I'm going to face all my customers that were excited about them if I can't find them. Dragon Layer, if my nephew and I can get our collecting worked out this year, we can supply with shiners. That could be cool, Dragon Layer. Um, that could be really cool. I'm going to have to see where I'm at in the warehouse project. Um, here's whatever, whatever natives I get though, have to be able to take higher temperatures. This is a, this can be another issue because I'm going to keep the temperatures say around 78 or so. So they'll probably be around 76 to 80 degrees within that window. So um, I don't know in, in Alabama, I bet the water gets that warm. But whatever ones we did, Dragon Lair, because I am interested, um, we'd have to make sure that they can take the warmer temperatures. They can't be one of those species that if it gets above 70 degrees, it just stresses out and dies, right? Oh, Sax Aquaculture is out of most darters, says W. Marion. Okay. Yeah, I think this is kind of the, I think they generally collect those more around the spring. I'm not sure how much collecting they do this time of year. Hoon Aquatics. Hey, good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Melanotania, Glossolepis, and Chilotherina can hybridize. Oh, good to know. The crossing rainbow is theorized to be Glossolepis incisus and Melanotania bosmanae. Well, there you go. There you go. So maybe it's not a good idea. Thanks for clearing that up, Hoon. Like I said, I was only about 80% sure about that one. <laughs> Orange Cone, since the Denison Barbs have so many common names, why not rename them Dan Barb? Yes, throw another common name at it. <laughs> let's, let's come up with a new name for the Denison Barbs every week. <laughs> let's really stir this pot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Denison Barb is probably the... I was going to say that's the best one because at least it refers to the scientific name Denisoni. But Rosaline Shark has been used so much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's the problem with common names. So Sahayadra Denisoni is what we should call it. But if I did, no one would know what I was talking about. Multi-take addiction. Just wanted to stop by. Hit the like button. Wish you a very Merry Christmas. Right back at you, MTA. Thanks for being here. W. Marion, I had substrate in quarantine with my gobies because they seemed so comfortable digging in it. Some hid down there so well I had to cut through it. That's the other thing I'm hoping. 
that they're down in the sand. Yes, that they can do that. Yes, I hope. I hope. So I don't know where else they'd be. Although I haven't seen it with stiffidons. I've seen it with lots of species of gobies, but this is stiffidon annie. And I've never seen a stiffidon that was a big burrower, but I'm definitely going to check. Mike Black, do you think angels and archers would work in a tank together? Absolutely. If the tank is large enough. Yes, I think angelfish and archers are just fine. Um, the archers are going to stay mostly at the top. And they're tough enough that an angel, if an angel got uppity with them, they could defend themselves. And they're not going to do, they're not going to mess with an angel at all unless it's so small they could just swallow it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that would work just fine. In fact, I think that's almost an ideal combination of personalities in a tank. Mike Black, do you think angels and archers just did that one? All right. We've got six minutes left. Matt F got your, oh, just retracted. I mean, I, I was like, what? Are you messing with the mods? No, you're just, you're retracting your own message. That's okay. That's okay. Here we go. Paul Soltero. There is a co-op course sponge on the intake. There is, and they still got through there. Huh. Well, I stand corrected, Paul. That's crazy. Wow, they must have got sucked through when they were just itty-bitty. Well, congrats on the babies. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing to me that they made it through the pre-sponge filter and didn't get like so mangled in that process that they made it through. That's cool. I don't know. Consider that one a bonus, I guess. <laughs> congrats. Surprise stir-by. Let's do the last giveaway. We've got five minutes left. This is for a $25 gift certificate to Dan's Fish provided by Rockin' Fish. Yeah. This is Rockin' Fish's channel if you want to check him out. He's pouring gas on that thing. A few weeks ago, he only had a few videos. Now he's got like 74. <laughs> so check out Rockin' Fish's channel. And the winner is Anthony's Fish Friends. You have won a $25 gift certificate from Dan's Fish. You just got to chime in. Let us know you're here within the next minute or so, and we'll get that to you. While we're waiting, though, the fry are alive and swimming around, says Paul. I kind of figured, because if they weren't, like, you probably wouldn't even recognize them. If they were dead, they'd be, yeah, all kinds of, they wouldn't even look like fish by the time they were in a, in a canister filter. Um Marion says, so this is the lidless tank, rimless tank contain, uh, comment. You can cut a custom lid for a rimless tank, cutting around the branch from plastic you get in sheets from Home Depot. Keeps the, keeps the rimless look. MD Fish Tanks did that for his bedded tank. All right, yeah. So for the gentleman, or was it a lady? For the person, I can't remember who it was, was asking about rimless tanks and jumping fish, that might be an option to look into. Select pet, why is flipping fish bad, but reselling from a wholesaler not bad? I think the terminology has me confused. When I think of flipping fish, I think of someone that like just gets them and resells them right away without caring for them or quarantining them or helping them recover from shipment. Um, it's that typical old industry model. So to me, that's what flipping fish is. And 
I think reselling from a wholesaler is bad if you're if you're not taking the time to uh, get them recovered from the import process and and get back and robust before you sell them to your customers. So um, to me, a fish flipper is someone that buys a fish and immediately just resells it. Whereas what I think we should do is get our fish, take care of them for a couple of weeks, make sure they've recovered and they're going to do well for our customers before we sell them. I mean, the success rate when you do that is just amazing compared to the old model. So to me, it's worth doing that. So I mean, it's not official terminology, but when I say flipping fish, I'm talking about, hey, I just got this fish. You want it? You know, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, Anthony's fishy friends did not respond, and it's been over two minutes. So we're going to redraw. Sorry, Anthony. Derek Barron, you have won. Please respond. Let us know you're here, and we'll get you a $25 gift certificate. Oh, hang on. Chat jumped. Got to scroll up here. Holy cow, I got to scroll up a ton. Woo. Okay, got it. Fishy Mon 64. Do fish eat the black worm leeches? Some will. Um, I like feeding them the puffers because they'll chomp right through them. Uh, some fish will. They're pretty tough though, so not all of them will. They're like hard rubber. <laughs> but if you have a bigger fish or something with real teeth on it, yeah, they'll eat them. I purposely feed them to puffers. Derek Barron is here. Awesome. Derek Barron, you have won the fourth and final $25 gift certificate provided by Rock and Fish for a total of $100 of giveaway tonight. Thank you, David, from Rock and Fish for doing that. I really appreciate it. Derek, please email me, dan at dancefish.com, so we can get you. Boom. Your, um, your winnings. All right. W. Marion, thanks for a suggestion on what to do next for the new fish. How do you tell if fungus or bacteria? It's a little hard um, without a vet, but um, the fungus looks almost like a dandelion seed head, like a bunch of individual little tiny strands sticking out, whereas the bacteria looks more like a slime coating them. Although there are funguses that can do that too. But saprogenella, is that the fungus? I can't remember the name. It looks like that is, is one of, there's a common one that it looks like the head of a uh, dandelion seeded head, right? Is kind of how I would describe it. Yep. Now, I'm far from an expert. Let's get that straight when it comes to fish disease but yeah fish tank barn two dollars boom making a rain fish tank barn hey mike hope you're doing well those are really nice antheas behind you dan okay what's an anthea anthea is a genus of ground beetle that can spray a jet of acid up to 12 inches Okay, now I'm freaked out. <laughs> Job well done there, Mike. You got me turning around looking for acid spray. H.C. Aqua, if you had a 300-gallon pond in the tropics, what species would you want to colony breed all year long for profit? In a pond. I was going to say like beta macrostoma, but 
they're likely to jump from a pond. I don't know. I guess what I would do in that case is probably think of something that really needs preservation. So it's not popping to my mind, but what species really could use preservation and since it's for profit, there's still a market for. So what's out there that is in trouble? Maybe uh, Chilotherina centeniensis, um, maybe some of those rare endangered rainbow fish or blue eyes. Blue eyes, in my experience, don't jump horribly. So I wouldn't be so worried about them jumping out of a pond. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Pseudomugil reticulatus comes to mind. Uh, really endangered in lots of its, lots of its locations and um, probably wouldn't jump too bad in a pond. So I don't know. That's just one. GR Colwell. Can I feed gouramis? Oh, and there's a ready market for them as well. Can I feed gouramis freeze Drain dried mealworms. The container says I can. Sure. Just keep in mind that they're really fatty and high in protein. So, oh, we're over. Okay, we're going to end this. So I wouldn't feed a lot of mealworms because they're not a balanced diet. But sure, you can feed a mealworm every now and then. All right. With that, we've got to close this out because, um, hang on, i got to answer Swamp Things and then we're going to close this out. Swamp Thing says, how are the Glossolepis multisquamato membrano river you have different than the ones more commonly available? So they're just from a known location collection point. Um, they're not just a random aquarium strain that's been farmed in the industry for a while and we don't know where it came from and we don't know its provenance. So we know where these came from. We know they're a pure line is basically the difference. Um, now, a lot of the multisquamata that you'll get from the general pet trade, they no longer have the, the same extent of the finnage, whether it's because they've been, the line has been poorly kept and the genetics have degraded over time, or um, what Gary Lane talks about when he talks about them is the possibility of hybridization that curtailed the, the, uh, the fin shape a little bit, things like that. So we just know their pure line. We know where they came from. So it's like a painting, right? If you get a painting and you know the provenance, there's just something special about it. And usually they command a higher price paintings like that versus something where the provenance is in question. So that's my answer to that. Okay. Sorry guys. I got to lock it down. We're at 834. So we're over time. Before I do, though, I want to thank my moderators for being here and helping every week to make this, I don't know, what I think is a fun live stream. I enjoy doing it. I assume you do as well, or, or you guys wouldn't be here. <laughs> um, thanks for everyone that sent down a super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but they do make the wife super happy. Fish Tank Barn is correcting me. Antheas are saltwater fish like your barbs. Oh, yes, I do know what you're talking about. So I googled Anthea and it told me it was an acid squirting beetle. I thought you were trying to startle me and you you succeeded. <laughs> I do know the fishers you're talking about. Yep. With that bright line down them. Yeah. Um, okay, I got to what? Mods, super chatters. Thanks to those that asked a question, left a comment, made this stream lively. Those that answered questions and comments I couldn't get to. Um, appreciate the knowledge base that shows up here and helps out every week. All you lurkers, I'm with you. Hail the lurker nation. Everyone watching on the replay, I hope you can be here in person one day. But until then, hey, enjoy the replay. Happy holidays to everyone. Thanks to Rock and Fish. Dave, thanks for uh, making the giveaways tonight possible. I really appreciate it. Until next one, have a good one, everyone. I will be here next week. 
So next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 9 Eastern. Until then, have a good one.